0: Good morning and welcome to Kale & Company Live right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you along with us. And we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And this morning... Flown in at no expense from the state of Massachusetts, it is John Leahy. John, good morning to you.
1: Ken, uh, good morning to you. It is so great to be able to uh, come up here and... uh and be with you uh, on the show. I know we've done it uh, over the phone, but uh, I love going on road trips, and uh, this is one I have been looking forward to.
0: John is one of the uh, top sportscasters uh, in the Bay State, and uh, you've heard his voice on here before, as he alluded to as our hockey correspondent, college hockey. John has been the voice of Merrimack College Hockey, for uh, many years, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Also, uh, John has done baseball for uh, many, many years. He has uh, written books. He's an accomplished musician, uh, author, podcaster, neat dresser, swell dancer. <laughs> a true Renaissance man is John Leahy. And uh, I, I know, John, you uh, recently returned from a trip to Nashville Tennessee and I, I know you love that city and uh, just, just tell us about a few of your experience and uh, experiences in Music City USA
1: yeah uh, Ken if you love music Nashville is the city to be uh, we uh, not only took in the sights of Broadway, which could take a week in and of itself,, yep. as you know, yeah. uh, but we had a chance to see uh, some really cool things down there in terms of uh, musically related things. we We saw the Johnny Cash museum, which was which was great. That was right near our hotel. Uh, we went to the Musicians' Hall of Fame. Which was wonderful. That was a, an interactive museum where I got to, you know, play some instruments while I was there. Oh wow! And it's like you're playing along with Garth Brooks, which is <laughs> wow, <laughs> which is really cool. But you know, we, we took the tour of the city, and uh, I, I got a chance to see the sports uh, venues down there, which was great. If you've ever been to Nashville and you're a sports fan. It's really cool because Bridgestone Arena, where the Nashville Predators play, they are at one end of Broadway. And then the Tennessee Titans NFL Football Stadium is right at the other end of Broadway, connected by a a footbridge. So uh, I got my sports fix in, even though there were no teams playing down there. But, Ken, as you know, when you go down there, it's all about the music. You are surrounded by it. And uh, loving music as much as I do, I really enjoyed that experience.
0: Oh, I, I'm sure that you did. And uh, having a, a chance to virtually, anyway, play with uh, the likes of Garth Brooks <laughs> and see the Johnny Cash uh, Museum. And you went to the Country Music Hall of Fame, right?
1: Now, absolutely. Oh, and yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. the one thing you got to do when you're in Nashville is you got to go to the Grand Old Opera. Oh, yeah. Now, I was there, we went We went on the, uh, I think they have a Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday nights, so we, we saw some and heard some great music. There was a young lady from Canada making her Grand old Opry debut, I think she was in her 20s, so uh, I, I'm thinking the nerves were, were pretty high that night. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, we, saw, we saw a lot of great music, and then we took the backstage tour ah, afterwards. Nice. So you get to see the dressing rooms where the uh, talent uh, hangs out, and it was just a awesome experience i'd be lying if i said i i would i would not i would want to play on that stage yeah i'd be lying if i said i didn't want to play on that stage it is it is amazing you stand out there you look up at, at those uh balconies up there and the musician and the performer in you takes over
0: and, and they still they still have the church pews in there, like the, the seating is in church pews on the main floor?
1: Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. And uh, we also saw the Ryman Auditorium, which yeah. that in and of itself oh, yeah. has well, a great yeah. history. Yeah, oh, uh, sure. So, and a lot of great uh, musicians and performers have played in, in both the Ryman and the Grand Old Opry. But yeah. I was, Ken, I was blown away by that experience. And uh uh, you know it would be a dream to play there you have to be invited to play there oh yeah you can't just yeah. show up no, and play no
0: it's it's yeah. not an open mic no. right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we are so accustomed to seeing you at area 23 yeah the open yeah. mic nights yeah you know? they're
1: light years ahead of the open <laughs> mic <laughs> experience but you know anybody who is country music has played on that stage oh
0: yeah no no doubt about and, it and
1: you know we also saw the the country music hall of fame which yeah. is awesome awesome experience and they have the the walk of of fame with the uh, stars outside of the Museum. If if you love music, Nashville is the place to be.
0: Oh oh, it is no doubt about. It. And if you're at the Ryman Auditorium, I think you can like walk out the back door and get into uh, Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, right? <laughs> yeah, uh. <laughs>
1: yeah. We had a chance to to see Tootsie's. We tried to go up go up there and uh, and enjoy the rooftop bar experience. It was so packed. We oh, wound man. up we wound up uh, at the bar next door, but. Um, it is it is an amazing experience, and uh, if you have not seen Nashville, you got to put it on your bucket list, especially oh, yeah. if you're a music devotee.
0: Oh, yeah. Great, great great spot. I, I told you before the show that one night I was in there year, years ago. It has to be years ago uh, because uh, the gentleman I'm about to mention is no longer with us, but uh, I saw sitting at one table with a, a few friends. He was with a few friends. Uh, the great Porter Wagoner.
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: and, yeah. Uh, you know, at one time he and uh, Dolly Parton uh, were a thing, ah, and yeah. it was Porter that she wrote, you know, she wrote, I honestly, or I will always love you, I will always love you, uh, and dedicated it to... Porter Wagner. Oh, wow, I did not know that. It's true. That and is then true.
1: the Whitney Houston came along yep. and did a remake of it. Yep. And oh uh, pe- yeah, people have compared those two versions over the years. I personally yep. prefer Dolly's version, but. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, a lot of great music has come out of there, and uh, just to be able to see it was, was a big thrill.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, Nashville is a, a great destination, and I think it's uh, getting to be an even uh, bigger one. Now I hear everybody says, oh, I want to go to Nashville, and and rightfully so. There's so many things to see and do, great nightlife and and sports. You mentioned uh, the hockey and, uh, and football. I, I actually saw a football game there once. One time I was down there at the stadium, it was... Uh, uh, Texas, uh, Houston, rather, Houston and uh, Tennessee. Yeah, uh, Houston yeah. Texans and Tennessee. And just happened to get the tickets uh, walking down the street. There was a guy, and this was, the kickoff time was noontime on a Sunday, mm-hmm. which would have been 1 o'clock Eastern time. And the game had already started. A guy was bicycling down one of the streets in Nashville and was holding up tickets while he was riding his bike. And uh, he said, oh, I have two uh, great seats, cheap. So we got them for like $10 each. It was uh, really something, and they got a chance to see a a football game there. But at any rate, Nashville is terrific. I know uh, uh, yesterday uh, you had the opportunity to uh, visit a high school in in Massachusetts and uh, talk to some of the youngsters. We're at Canton High School.
1: Canton High School, yeah, Yeah. Canton, Mass. Uh, The gentleman who runs the... Um, digital uh, broadcast experience there. One of the uh, he, uh, the instructors that he calls him a digicator, calls himself a digicator. That's the first uh, time I've heard that word. Yeah, my my good friend Ed McDonough asked me to come in there and uh, and teach. Uh, a broadcasting class Uh, just teach about my broadcast experiences so I was thrilled to do that the kids were amazing they were they were so locked in they were so interested in the topic it it was a small class about five or six kids but they were highly motivated we did some hands-on stuff we did some play-by-play stuff and uh, I I gotta tip my hat to these kids they they uh, they are really immersed in it and it was such a pleasure to be able to go there and do some teaching and and answer some questions and uh, it was it was great it was a great experience
0: so the next generation of broadcasters there, yeah. there you go and, uh, and John I know you've been in the business uh, a long time and uh, now where did you go to, to get your your broadcast training
1: well I'm a proud graduate of Connecticut School of Broadcasting which doesn't have a local campus anymore I went to the Wellesley campus back in 1995 when I chose to get off my butt and do something about the career i really wanted to be in uh so um that was uh that was a great experience and that opened a lot of doors and uh you know they've kind of branched out a little bit and uh they don't have a campus any campuses here anymore but uh, they're still around they're still online so uh people that are interested in 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 uh, becoming involved with the, that school in the broadcasting inter- industry, they still have the opportunity to do that.
0: CSB. So is it all online now?
1: Uh, pretty much. I'm yeah. not sure if there are any local campuses where you can walk in, but uh, you know, if you check out the online experience, I think that'll answer a lot of questions.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I went to a school uh, that went out of business mm-hmm. like uh, two years after I left. I think I helped... Uh, Put get them out of business. I don't know. I doubt that. uh, Another another uh, a longtime New Hampshire sportscaster, Charlie Sherman, who was on uh, WMUR TV for many many years. Uh, He went there a couple of years before I did. I I went a couple of years uh, after he was there, and uh, like a year or two later, it was out of business. But the reason I went was that two guys who I grew up listening to on Boston radio for many years went to the Leland Powers school of uh, radio, television, and theater, Bob Wilson oh, wow, yeah. and Norm Nathan, who wow. was a, a local radio personality in Boston for, uh, for many years on WHDH and later uh, WBZ. But Bob and Norm both went to Leland Power, so naturally. I had to go there. I had to go there right out of high school. John Leahy is with us, a great Massachusetts broadcaster. Maybe one of these days we'll uh, bring him to New Hampshire to do a few games. Of course, he's done games in New Hampshire, but not for us, but (laughs) maybe one of these days. John is with us right here. Kael and Company live on WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Welcome back. Kael and Company on this Thursday. Joining us... The great John Leahy, one of the uh, versatile broadcasters uh, in Massachusetts. He has done everything that moves uh, over the years. (laughs) Primarily right now, it's uh, Merrimack College Hockey. And certainly the the Warriors had uh, a season to remember. You updated us uh, on that uh, throughout the college hockey season. And it was fun to uh, vicariously follow them uh, through you. But it was uh, certainly a year to remember.
1: Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, it was a record-setting year. Um, you know, Merrimack finished in second place in Hockey East, and no one had them picked uh, above eighth when the preseason polls came right. out. Uh, the, the regular season was terrific. There was one very bad stretch of hockey mm-hmm. uh, that happened. It started uh, up here in New Hampshire, as a matter of fact, at the, the Dartmouth tourney. Uh, Merrimack won the first game of that term then they lost to Providence in the second game and the wheels fell off the bus. Fortunately for Merrimack they were able to get it back turned around and uh, they finished the regular season strong and the playoffs, wow, what can you say about that? Uh, Mm -hmm. You beat Boston College in double overtime at home uh, and then you go uh, to the Garden and play UMass Lowell, that game goes into double overtime and you win that one and then you finish up against BU in the Hockey's title game, and you lose that one in overtime. Fortunately, Merrimack was able to get an NCAA playoff berth, and they ran into the eventual national champions mm-hmm. in Quinnipiac. Yeah. But I think when you look back on this season, boy, you, you're really proud of what this team accomplished. And you're excited about what's coming up because this Merrimack team is not losing anyone to the transfer portal. Wow. Nobody, uh, huh? They are, wow. Losing, they are losing their seniors and grad students. But if mm-hmm. you take a look at the transfer portal right now, at least the last time I checked, Merrimack has has no one in the transfer portal. So this team is going to be very good next year, and hopefully for years to come.
0: Who would want to leave North Andover?
1: Not after the year they just had. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they've got a guy in Scott Borek who, of course, was here at UNH for a while. He's a guy who's got four decades of hockey coaching experience. The players love him. And uh, you know we're all excited about uh, what's going to uh, transpire this year.
0: Oh, absolutely! You have to be because I, n- I don't think anybody now the so called experts picked Merrimack where eighth, eighth. maybe in yeah, Hockey East eighth. yeah right and they they wound up second in Hockey East. So what do the experts know, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know I've talked to a lot of a lot of broadcasters and and we all agree that the preseason polls really are meaningless. Yeah. You know, yeah. they they do it because they feel like they have to. I've never put a lot of stock in these preseason polls, but, uh, you know, from a crazy point of view, you know, you, you get picked eighth, you finish second, uh, you're showing them a thing or two. Yeah, And for quite a while there, there was – Merrimack had a chance to win the league, you know, in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. BU beat him out by a couple of points, but – uh it was a, it was just a fun year, probably the the most fun year I've had since in all the eighteen years I've been there. That was the most fun.
0: Eighteen years and uh, you know ultimately uh, losing to uh, in their own backyard. By the way, the uh, the ultimate champion uh, Quinnipiac, uh, coached by Rand Pecknold, who's a native of uh, Bedford, and you know he got his start. His dad was a hockey player. Yeah, Rand Pecknold's dad from Concord. And uh, Rand used to be uh, a stick boy with the uh, like the amateur team that his dad was playing for. Wow. Us. So, at the Everett wow. Arena, so yeah. he actually got his start right well, uh, here in Concord.
1: That's great. I'm happy for Rand. You know, he's he's gone deep into the NCAA tournament several times. Uh, yeah. He 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 had never won it. I know that they were a semifinalist uh, one year. They they lost. Yeah. I think they lost in the championship game one year. But uh, you know, great for him. And I watched the post game. Uh, Celebration and Rand got a little emotional, and you know he he's not, he's not yeah. he's not usually like that. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, no, I mean, great for Quinnipiac, and yeah. uh, you know we we saw how good they were when we played them in Bridgeport, and uh, they would you know from pillar to post they were the best team in college hockey. Mm-hmm. They were oh, the yeah. best team in college hockey, yep. and they they earned that victory, and, and I'm happy for them. But uh, yeah. you know. Next year is a new year.
0: I, I was rooting for Merrimack, uh, and, and then after you guys lost to them, I, I was rooting for Quinnipiac. But uh, at any rate, uh, it, it yeah. was a, a great tournament. You guys uh, represented yourselves so well, and uh, it, it's on to next year for what, your 19th season. How did that job come about, the Merrimack college hockey job?
1: How did it come about? Well, um, I had heard about, the job opening. Uh, Don Boyle was the play-by-play guy at Merrimack. I don't know if you know Don. He was uh, he was the play-by-play voice also for the North Shore Spirit in mm-hmm. the first two years mm-hmm. that they were around, and he was also doing Merrimack games. And uh, I'm not sure how I remember that the job opened, but uh, you know, I went up there and, and um, gave them my portfolio, and I had no uh, Division One experience up to that point. Uh, but they liked what they heard. Is in terms of the demo reel that I sent in, and they also allowed me to choose uh, my own color commentator. Oh. So uh, I worked with my good friend Eric Schulman doing games there for a couple of years, and then they uh, made the switch to Mike Macknick, who uh, I've been with since 2010, I want to say. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I was fortunate enough that uh, you know they gave me an opportunity and. Uh, I I, uh, I haven't been able to let, let them down yet, so uh, it, it's it's a great experience uh, working there, and I love being a part of Hockey East. I think it's the elite uh, college hockey conference in the country, and we're fortunate to play UNH on a yearly basis, and we have some great games with them. So. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm very pleased uh, that I'm coming up on two decades there.
0: A- absolutely, and you and Mike do a, a terrific job uh, with the call of of uh, Merrimack College hockey, and uh, certainly, as you mentioned, Hockey East, uh, certainly the most competitive and uh, probably the top uh, you know college hockey league in the country. So uh, that is always you know, and, and uh, I, I can only imagine there are some people listening to us who've probably never seen. Uh, a college hockey game, mm. but if if that's the case, you <laughs> owe it to yourself to get out and uh, get to one in person. I mean, even uh, in, even go to a a Southern New Hampshire University or a Saint Anselm game, uh, which is not Division One, uh, but it's still great action. It really mm. is. And uh, if you get a chance to go over to Durham and see UNH in action, or down to North Andover to see Merrimack. Uh, you're in for a treat. You really are.
1: Yeah, and there's not a bad rink in all of uh, Hockey East. Right. There, there are 11 teams uh, in the league, and you know UConn just got a new building, which yeah. which I haven't seen yet. But uh, uh, every single arena in Hockey East is is a blast to watch a game in. You know, uh, I, I've been to all of them, and I've enj- I've enjoyed being there and, and doing the games. And I'm kind of partial to our home rink because. Yeah. Uh, when the place is loud oh. when it's packed it's 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 terrifying for opposing teams yeah. Uh, but uh, you're right, Ken. I think if, if you've never had that experience, I think you owe it to yourself to check it out, and you'll come away uh, really enjoying the experience.
0: Absolutely. And I was there one of those nights uh, against UNH uh, early in, in the season uh, when we didn't know just how good Merrimack was going to be, and you blew the doors off the Wildcats uh, that night in, in North Andover. Yeah,
1: that was an emotional night because Merrimack was dealing with the loss of one of their assistant coaches, Josh Sciacco, right. who had passed away. Uh, the previous weekend suddenly and of course Josh had ties to UNH as well so it was an an emotional game I think uh, it had a lot more meaning to Merrimack given the circumstances Uh, but you know uh, they had a memorial up at Merrimack for Josh and I saw Dick Humili up there I saw a lot of the UNH people up there and uh, you know but that was the kind of story behind that UNH Merrimack game and I believe the Warriors wanted to go out and win that game for Josh. And um,
0: did they ever?
1: Yeah, and then uh, the teams <laughs> the teams met again at the Whittemore Center on probably the coldest night I've ever experienced in New England. Mm, yeah, uh, it was. It, I think it was the there was a wind chill of negative sixty. Yeah, when the wind blew. it was uh, February third. I'll never forget it. And UNH turned the tables; they beat Merrimack in overtime, and that was part of the. Uh, the, the tough stretch of hockey that Merrimack had. So, um, you get the Warriors and the Wildcats together, you're going to have some special hockey.
0: Oh, they really will. There is no doubt about that and uh, great rivalry and uh, both teams uh, so very close together, it, it makes for some uh, very, very exciting hockey as they've had uh, over the years and will uh, continue to have both uh, in North Andover uh, and uh, in Durham. But as John said, the uh, uh, Merrimack College Warriors looking good for the uh, 2023-2024 campaign, and uh, getting uh, a lot of their players back. Nobody in the transfer portal, as uh, as they now have, which which I think, John. I, just as an aside here, I I think the transfer portal is is a good thing, mm-hmm. uh, in in the sense that uh, you know teams can rebuild a little quicker. Yeah, players don't have to sit out a year if they uh, yeah. transfer within the same division as they used to. So I mean, I guess there are some positives, and like everything else, some negatives about the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah,
1: and you know, you see a lot of sales pitches going on. Yeah, I'm There's sure. A lot yeah. of sales stuff going on. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, trying to pitch guys uh, to go here and there. But Merrimack benefited from it last year, so we were grateful uh, that we got the guys we did in the portal.
0: I, absolutely, I, I know uh, UConn rebuilt their basketball program uh, a lot through that transfer portal, and I was grateful uh, about that. Uh, but it, but it also works both ways too. So, yep. uh, just like uh, everything else in life. Very well, true. John Leahy is with us and uh, made the trek this morning up from uh, Massachusetts to uh, be on the program. We appreciate it, flown in at no expense. We'll take a break. Back with much more right here on Kale and Company, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale & Company live here on WKXL, NHtalkradio.com. Our special in-studio guest today is John Leahy. And uh, you've heard John on the station before during the hockey season, giving us the Hockey East updates and uh, talking sports of all sorts. And we talked about uh, you going to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, a branch they had in Massachusetts at the time. Uh, what, when did you get the broadcasting bug? <laughs>
1: 1970. 70? Yeah. I was six That's... years old, and I wanted to be the next Fred Cusick. Uh, I used to turn the volume down on my little black and white set and mm-hmm. pretend to do the games. The Boston Globe used to print the rosters yeah, in yeah. paper. Remember that? I do. I used I to do. cut those out. I used to have them right in front of me. Of course, I, I couldn't do commercials or anything. I right, always, right. That yeah. was before. It was I,
0: commercial-free, yeah. folks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and the funny thing was my parents – uh, I wondered how they were going to react to listening to me pretending to be an announcer. I, I wondered, you know, are they going to think I'm crazy? What's going to What's going to happen with this? But to my uh, delight, they were very uh, encouraging, and uh, yeah. they knew that it was a passion of mine. So they were always uh, good about it. So I feel good that. Uh, well, well,
0: 1970 was a good year to pick. For the Bruins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right
1: around the time they achieved the ultimate success, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, they certainly did. Uh, That May 10th game winner, Mother's Day. Of 1970, Bobby Orr from Derek Sanderson.
1: Yeah, but I was a fresh-faced five-year-old kid when that uh, goal was scored. There you go. Not and even six years old. Did you old.
0: broadcast that game? No. Uh, no, no. no, no. <laughs> but it was uh, – uh, ter- I, I was at that game, John. I'm, really? I'm so much no, older you than you. You never told me that. I, I was there. I Well, what happened was I was, what, at the time? I was uh, 16. At the time. So I'm a little bit older than you. Not much. And I had gone uh, to an afternoon game at Fenway Park. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was like in the early part of May. Bruins uh, were in the playoffs. I was walking through North Station to get my train back home to Melrose. So I thought I'd just stop by the ticket office. I had a few bucks, very few, uh, in my pocket at 16 years, probably at 10 bucks, let's say. Uh, maybe not even that much. So I inquired if they had any Bruins playoff tickets. Oh wow! And uh, wow. I said and we only have obstructed view. Mm-hmm. So I bought them. Bought two obstructed view tickets at two fifty a piece. Oh, wow. 2 dollars and fifty cents a piece. <laughs> which awesome. I had to think. I had to think about it because I, I don't know. Two fifty—that's five bucks. But I did, and you know, it wasn't for—it was for like the home playoff game number eight or whatever it might have been at at the time. So you you didn't know you were going to get a a Stanley Cup clinching game, which it turned out to be something
1: you'll never forget
0: on Mother's Day. Yes, and I I took a a very and on Mother's Day, uh, I took a very good friend of mine's mother. Not my mother, she enjoyed hockey, but this other mother, a friend of mine, loved it so much that she was the one I took wow. to the game. what a story. And it was an obstructed view, and it was obstructed. There were many obstructed view seats in the old Boston oh, Garden. Oh, don't
1: I know it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, been and, there dozens of times.
0: Probably half the seats were obstructed in one way or the other at the old garden. And and so what we did was we just stood up behind the last row of the first balcony, Mhm. And it was a great view. Awesome. So we, we never sat in our obstructed seat. I don't think many people did. That was basically standing room.
1: Yeah. Did you ever buy tickets from a scalper?
0: In, oh, yeah. In, I yeah. I have. I have. I have.
1: I did. In I bought a ticket from a scalper in Philadelphia once. Yeah. I went to a game at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Yeah. The Bruins were in town. All right. And I was rooting for the Bruins. You should have seen the dirty oh, looks boy, I got yeah, from those yeah. Philly and, fans. And they
0: call it the city of brotherly uh. love, right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Oh, yeah. I, I went to a few games uh, at the Spectrum. Uh, I saw a couple of hockey games and a few basketball games down there. Uh, over the years, I used to, uh, at, at one time when I was uh, in high school, uh, used to keep stats for at, at, the, at the Boston Garden for Andy Musser, who did the 76ers right. games on right. radio on right. WCAU in Philadelphia. Right. And I, I wrote to Andy. I used to listen to him because CAU had a, a good signal into the Boston area. Mm-hmm. And I used to write to him and uh, said that, you know, I'd love to keep stats for you. Uh, you know, if, if you need anybody in, in Boston, I'll be happy to help you out. You know, and I was in high school at the time, and he had a, a regular statistician. Uh, by the name of Bill Bates, who at that time was the trainer for the Patriots. Wow. Yeah. Wow. For, for the Boston Patriots at the time. But uh, Bill Bates was a longtime trainer, kept stats for Andy Musser. But uh, one night, Bill couldn't show up uh, for some reason. And so Andy gave me a call and said, can you make it to the game? So, uh, I said, uh, yeah. I, so I said, "Yeah." And so I, I, I didn't have a press pass or anything. He said, he, "I think he said he he's going to be at the game." And I said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be there." I probably, I don't think I was planning or not, but yeah, in that case, I'd be there. So I think my mother and I went, mm-hmm. and the tickets were like two dollars at the time to yeah. get in, so it wasn't yep. a big deal. They yep. could sit virtually anywhere. Yeah. So I uh, sat down with with Andy, met him for the first time at the at the garden when they had the the uh, broadcast booth that was hanging from the first balcony at the mm-hmm. Garden mm-hmm. and uh, great seat and kept stats for him and uh, afterwards he gave me 10 bucks and I thought I was a millionaire at the time <laughs> getting 10 bucks to sit there and watch a basketball game with him and I, and then I continued to do it for a couple of years uh, with Andy mm-hmm. uh, and uh, one night and it was the first game of an NBA doubleheader at the Garden the 76ers were in the first game uh, against the San Diego Rockets. Wow. And wow. that was a long time ago. And the Celtics and the Seattle Supersonics were playing in the second game. Wow. But the first game was delayed for about an hour because Luke Jackson of the 76ers pulled down the backboard on a dunk oh, geez. and glass shattered everywhere <laughs> and they had to bring in roll in the, the new backboard and support and everything and uh, That's
1: what Daryl Dawkins used to do, remember?
0: Oh yeah, oh, a Chocolate Thunder, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. So a lot of a lot of memories uh, from the garden and uh, and, and so, you know, it was great to be able to go in at that time. I, I'm glad I grew up when I did, if, I, if in fact, I ever did grow up. But uh, took the train into the garden or train and subway to Fenway, and, you know, the admission was so cheap back then.
1: Your story mirrors that of Kenny Albert. Because Kenny Albert... He had connections. Who I just... Yeah, who I... Yeah, well, yeah, Yeah, obviously. (laughs) But I just had Kenny on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he was doing... Stats for the Rangers at age five? Uh,
0: You know, I remember hearing his name back then when his dad would mention his name. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, so I got some great stories from Kenny on the podcast, and I also got some great stories from Chuck Caton, who used to do the games, of course, for the Whalers and the Hurricanes. I did a three-part series on NHL arenas with Chuck, and if you haven't heard it, it is fascinating. The stories that that man tells is fascinating. So, uh, if I could just put a quick plug in for the podcast, you go right ahead. Um, you can find it at, uh, Leahy com. That's the website for the podcast and you can uh, check out any episode that I've ever done. But, uh, I highly recommend checking out the Chuck Caden episodes, uh, the Kenny Albert episode I just had on a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, we come out with new stuff every Wednesday. So, uh. It's a, it's a good lesson, so I encourage
0: people. It's, it's, it's a great listen. I haven't heard all of the Chuck Caton yet, but uh, Chuck, the longtime voice uh, of the Hartford Whalers, and then when they moved, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, as John mentioned, and uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, a great, great broadcaster was just fired for really no reason except economics, right?
1: Yeah, well, they asked him to take a pay cut yeah, down yeah. in Carolina, and that's not something he was willing to do. So, unfortunately, they were unable to come to terms. Now, I, the last time I had Chuck on, which was a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to him about the new uh, franchise and arena in Seattle, and he was—they uh, were actually considering him for that job. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think yeah. he had some interest in it. Yeah. But the pieces just didn't really fall together. So. Uh, You know, the guy absolutely deserves to be calling NHL games until the day he dies. You know, he was uh, – anybody who follows hockey in New England uh, knows who Chuck Caton is. So, if I'm – I think I've become pretty good friends with him now and I just I was just bowled over that he was willing to come on and talk uh, history and stories so again if you have a chance to check out those episodes I highly recommend it it's a uh, good listen. And
0: how do you do it again John?
1: Go to com. Yep. Yeah. L E A H Y com, and uh, that's that brings up the podcasting website. There's a search bar right there. You can type uh, in any episode you want, and it'll pull right up for you.
0: And, uh, yeah, a terrific broadcaster and uh, apparently a great guy, too. I've yeah. never had the chance to meet him or, or chat with him. but but So what was his favorite or to broadcast from?
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can even narrow it down. He was really uh, – he really loved the Montreal Forum. Oh, yeah. You know, he did yeah. a lot of games yeah. up there yeah. when he the Whalers and the Canadians yeah. Yeah. played uh, – Up there. He had great stories about the Boston Garden. Uh, Yeah, Told me some great stories about the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. Really? Where they blew. There was cold air blowing on you during the game, and he had to wear a coat. But he also said they had the best popcorn in the NHL. In Washington. At the uh, Capitol Center. In Landover, Landover, Landover. Maryland. There you go. Check out the podcast. You'll hear it all. The only thing
0: I ever saw in that building was a John Denver concert. Hey. The, or-
1: the Orioles love him down <laughs> in Baltimore. So God, that's I'm a bowler, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: that's, that's what they play in the seventh <laughs> inning stretch to this day. Yeah, that's at right. At Camden Yards. That's right. John Leahy is with us, the one and only, one of the great Massachusetts sportscasters, very versatile guy, author, we, we may get to that, I don't know, but podcaster, musician, you name it. He does it all. He is a tour de force, as they say.
1: Tour de force, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll take a break right here. Kale and Company continues on WKXL NH Talk Radio, powered by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. We are back, heading down the home stretch. How time flies when you're having fun oh, here man. on Kale and Company on this Thursday. Great to have you along with us, and uh, really a treat to have. John Leahy in in the studio and uh, you know our our executive producer Kat Martinez was very excited to meet you after talking with you.
1: You know this was the big reason why I came up here.
0: I knew I knew it wasn't Because I wanted to meet Kat. I (laughs) talked to her on
1: the phone several times and uh, just to have a chance to meet her that that's worth the whatever 75 80 miles it took to get up here. You're so sweet. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) Thank you. You as broadcasters, we tell it like it is. That's
0: true. So
1: that's what we do here. So.
0: <laughs> it's great to see you.
1: Well, same here. There you <laughs> same go. I, here. I knew it wasn't me, Kat, that he came up for.
0: So. <laughs> it was for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I said, you know, you want to do it on the phone? He said, no, 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 I'll come up. I'll honor my commitment. Absolutely, I'll come up. absolutely. Yeah. But now, now yeah. I know the real story behind no, the story. No, no, no. It's... <laughs>
1: This is this is multi-inclusional and,
0: and th- here. There, there you go. And, uh, you know, you've done games all over the country. Uh, yeah, we haven't even talked about your, your baseball past, and uh, we've we called many of the same games uh, over the years. But you, you've you worked for several uh, minor league teams in your career. Yeah,
1: and strangely enough, all but one of them have folded. You <laughs> know, well, it's so it's I like must...
0: me and my, the school I went to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I must have that effect. Yeah. Um, No, no. I was in the uh, Can Am League with you, Ken. I was with the North Shore Spirit out of Lynn. And, of course, you were in Nashua with the Pride. And uh, then, after the Spirit went under, I went out to Western Michigan for two summers, out to uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, in the Frontier League with the Kalamazoo Kings. I was in Kentucky for one year in 2010 with the Florence Freedom. And then, of course, uh, came back when the Freedom did not renew my contract. And uh, then. I did part time with the spinners with you, yeah, and uh, then I wound up right. doing some games uh, after that. Uh, so uh, it's been a great run. I hope it's not over, but it's been a great run.
0: Well, I hope it's not over over for you uh, or for me, for that matter. Right. Uh, right. But uh, you came in today uh, wearing that uh, that Lowell spinners uh, pullover, and uh, I, I just you know I love my time with the spinners. I know uh, you enjoyed yours as well. We did some games together. Uh, o- over the years. And she shared a lot of stories, too. It is, yeah, and it is such a shame uh, that that franchise is gone because they had great fan support uh, over the years. It's Lasher Park in, in Lowell is such a great facility. It's just a shame that uh, they, they consolidated the minor leagues the way they did, and uh, <clears throat> many franchises that had been around a long time had to go away.
1: The last game I did... Was in 2019 in Brooklyn for the New York Penn League Championship. It was Game Three, and uh, the Spinners lost it in heartbreaking fashion. And I remember walking out of that ballpark in Brooklyn, saying, ah, we'll get them next year. We'll get them next year." And then the pandemic hits yeah. in 2020. That wiped everything out. There was there were no sports at all, of right. course. Yeah. And then we get the news as we approach the 2021 season that the contraction is going to happen, and I, I was. Shocked to find out that the spinners there were fourteen teams in yeah. that New York Penn league, right the Lowell spinners were the only team that did not survive in one way or mm. another, right even those small towns out in Batavia and Auburn, yeah you know they hooked on with I'm not sure what league they hooked on with I think it was a collegiate league yeah uh but to think you know with with the popularity of the spinners the way uh, the way they were oh yeah, yeah, you would not think that they would be the only franchise not to survive.
0: Very true. I mean, yeah. it was a, a great venue. They were promoted well uh, over the years. Many members of the uh, Boston Red Sox played there in their early days in the organization. Yeah. And such a great history there, and it's just, a, just a, a shame, really, that they no longer exist. But but while they did, uh, we had some, some great times there. Uh, And you know what stands out in my mind was not a baseball-related thing at all. It's the night we uh, got to meet the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase.
1: (laughs) Everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. Oh, yeah, what a character he was. And, uh, of course, he's gone off and uh, he's involved with the ministry now. Is he? Yeah, he's actually a minister, and, uh, you know, he's still – Makes appearances uh, with at WWE events, I guess, from time to time. But uh, we were there both the night. Yeah, uh, he was there and. Uh what a great character! One of the great heels, one of the great oh, villains yeah, yeah. in, uh, in yeah. WWE history. But to have a chance to meet him was a big thrill.
0: Yeah, up close and personal. Yeah, that's we have, right. They, we have the pictures to prove it. Right? As,
1: as Hulk Hogan used to call him, <laughs> the multi-million dollar man. Uh, they're right, right, <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: But the Spinners had all kinds of promotions uh, over the years, like uh, bringing big names like him, you know, in for fans to get autographs and lots of bobblehead nights, and uh, they they really did it well. And it's just a shame that, that that franchise no longer exists. John, is there is there a game, any specific game that stands out, whether it be hockey or baseball or anything else that that you have broadcast over the years that stands out like none other?
1: Well, in terms of baseball, I'll never forget the night. The Spinners were playing the Auburn double days. It was July thirty first. I don't remember what year it was. Uh, I wanna say it was around two thousand and Fourteen or fifteen. Uh, the Spinners had a perfect game going into the ninth inning, and the first batter of the inning was retired. So they're two outs away from a perfect game. And who comes to the plate for the Auburn Double Days? Cody Dent, Bucky's son. And what do you think happens? He bloops a base hit into center field. Wouldn't perfect you know game. What? No hit or gone perfect game gone and wouldn't you know that it's Cody
0: bleeping dent
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know and 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 I found out after the game that uh, WBZ was going to reach out to me for my my call of the Ah, the final out if it if it had been a perfect game so that that kind of sticks out uh, in in terms of the baseball Uh, in terms of the hockey I mean I guess I got to look to last year yeah I yeah. mean, with with the with the back-to-back double overtime oh, wins,
0: I, I I was I was a little nervous for you, John, in terms of uh, you know your your health. <laughs> I mean, I know if it had been me, I would have you know been really uh, you know close to a heart attack. I think, but <laughs> the, all way it, I remember,
1: the way it was, all I remember is uh, when we left the garden after that uh, win over yeah. Lowell. Uh, I remember getting home around two o'clock in the morning. And of course, we had to go back the next night uh, for the Hockey's Championship game. So I just remember being dog tired because yeah. I had to prepare for BU uh, uh, the next night. Uh, but I mean, those string of games I don't think can ever be replicated. No. no. And so I think, you know, looking back on last year, I think that was – in spite of uh, making it to Manchester in 2010 in the tournament game we played against Notre Dame that year, that was a lot of fun. That season was a lot of fun. But I think this past year was one for the history books, and uh, it certainly was the funnest year because – and, you know, we were on TV too. Oh, yeah. We made this uh, transition to ESPN Plus. Right. And so there were a lot of fun things about last year. So I think that would kind of – that would kind of fill the void for my favorite.
0: And I, I do remember a game that uh, that we both did in Lynn, Massachusetts in 2007. Yeah. Can-Am League game, uh, playoff game. Yeah. Uh, the Nashville Pride and the North Shore Spirit. Yeah. And, you know, John, I think we were sitting even closer that night than we are today yeah. here in the studio. I mean, yeah. we're sitting right next to each other.
1: The press box yeah. at Fraser Field was tiny, yeah. and the broadcasters <laughs> would literally sit right next to each other. That's right.
0: And uh, you were doing it for the uh, the Lynn area. I was doing it for the for the Nashua area, and uh, it was uh, you know a game that uh, you know was won by the Nashua Pride to capture the. Uh, the, uh, the Can-Am League title yeah, uh, yeah. For, for that year. We but
1: shook hands after the we, last out. You we did.
0: That? We did. You congratulated me, yeah. like the sportsman that you are. And uh, so, no, it was, it was great to uh, meet you that way through. That's how we met, uh, through, through baseball.
1: Yeah, and I'll never forget uh, Butch Hobson had some of the great uh, memories at uh, Frazier Field. Uh, I remember he was thrown out of a game one night. Ken, I know you remember this as well as, as, as I do. Uh, Butch, Butch blew a gasket, he got thrown out, he blew a gasket, he ripped the first base bag out from the studs and he handed it to a fan in the crowd, and then he came on the radio with you. He did to yeah. do to yeah. do the rest of the game. He did. I, I'm saying to myself now, wait a minute now. We're not, I this. think that's the
0: first time that's been revealed publicly. You know, no, I, no I he said, was on with me that night. Yeah,
1: I said, wait a minute now. I don't. I'm not sure this is uh, within the rules. Yeah. I didn't care. I liked it. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. So Butch uh, came up after he and boy, he took that long walk out <laughs> to the clubhouse. Yeah. Remember that? Looks it seemed like it took weeks for him to get to that clubhouse yeah. and beyond the uh, the outfield wall. At first. Field and Lynn, uh, but yeah, he's, and that was the the second time that he had picked up a base. Uh, the other time was in the 2000 season when the Pride were in the Atlantic League, and uh, actually they they made a, a video of that year, the 2000 a year when the Pride won the Atlantic League championship, and one hot July night at the historic Holman Stadium on a disputed call at second base. Uh, Butch went out to second base, argued with the umpire, got thrown out, picked up second base, and gave it to a kid. He took out the Sharpie, autographed the base, gave it to a kid sitting next to the dugout. And for that reason, that, that video that capsulized that championship year was called stolen bases <laughs> and, and that's I'm why glad
1: he did that instead of flinging it into the crowd oh, somewhere. right right yeah.
0: but uh yeah butch was a very colorful guy he sure he was, was managing the pride as Without he did question. for a number of years from 2000 through 2007 wow this this uh, morning has gone by very quickly john it sure
1: has and sure uh, has. i
0: really appreciate you coming up here from massachusetts and uh, through the morning traffic and uh, We'll have you back anytime you're in this area. And uh, you will be appearing at uh, Area 23 sometime in July.
1: In July. We were going to be there tonight, but uh, we had to cancel that. But we will be back in July.
0: All right. There you go, folks. We will keep you posted as to the arrival of John Leahy back in the Granite State. John, thanks so much. Ken,
1: thanks for having me. I truly enjoyed it.
0: And as did I. Time flies again when you're having fun. Uh, Kale & Company, live, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And don't forget, tomorrow morning, speaking of uh, Northeast Delta Dental, Tom Raffio and uh, Kitty Ray in studio for the Friday Fun Bunch. John, you should be a part of the Fun Bunch someday. Uh, Oh, all you have to do is call me. I'll be here. Fit right in. (laughs) Thanks again, John. Thank you, Ken. And have a great Thursday, everybody.